<laughs> Welcome to Mama's High on Chai, a space where we have honest conversations about wellness, culture, mindset, and self discovery, all through the lens of motherhood. Hey everyone, welcome to Mama's High on Chai podcast. This is your host, Simi. Once again, your time and your energy is so valuable to me. So thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we're in conversation with Ravina Obroy, who is a successful owner of a cake shop and a business owner uh, called Just Cakes. I'm sure you've heard of it. And we'll be discussing all about entrepreneurship and what it means to be a woman of color in the business world. This is awesome. So excited. Thanks. Thanks for coming, Ravina. I'm super excited. And uh, I know this is going to be an awesome discussion. And uh, I am so proud of you for starting this podcast. Um, I don't know if people, I don't know if you want me to share this, but uh, <laughs> a little while ago, we were kind of chatting about podcasting and stuff like that. I'm just so right. happy that you took the, took the plunge and, you know, you did it and this is your baby and that's amazing. And I'm, I'm just so proud of you. So congratulations yeah. to you. Simi. Thank you. Thank you so much. It, it is. I'm, I'm very proud of myself as well. <laughs> and um, it, it fills my soul. It makes me so happy to connect with, with other women um, who look like me and um, yeah. And just share our journeys and our stories. And it's been, it's been a really, really amazing ride. That's awesome. Well, thank you for the platform and thank you for, <laughs> contributing to that right so um kudos to you <laughs> yeah so when I first met you Ravina I was awestruck at how much passion and motivation and commitment you know you have for what you do and and you're quite open about it as well you talk about it openly you have a platform as well um called Rav Thinks yeah. right and um and you take so much pride in it so I'm so proud of you as well thank you thank you so much you know this is what it's all about man like us brown girls we gotta stick together i mean women in general we gotta stick together right like there's yep. so much woman on woman hate around and it doesn't need to be that way so i just i'm so grateful for you know having relationships and connections and stuff with you know other amazing amazing women like you and just that we're able to lift each other up and you know it, passion is what it's all about right, I, right. I, i'm sure we can all relate to that is that everyone has something that makes them tick and uh, to hone in on that is just a whole different kind of high and it's a whole different kind of feeling and yeah totally totally mm -hmm. and so you know if you can tell our listeners you have quite an interesting story <laughs> um <laughs> and i would love for our listeners to hear it as well how um you started on this journey and your passion for baking and how you got into this this world for sure. Um, so as I'm sure the vast majority of us when we're in high school, super insecure, super dorky, nerdy, very awkward. That was me. I was, I felt very isolated in high school. I felt like I didn't really fit in anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and I felt like I just couldn't make, you know, long lasting friends. Like on the outside, sure, it may have looked like I had friends and stuff like that. But, you know, no one was calling me after school to go hang out. No one was inviting me to these parties and things like that. Huh? And that, that gets to you as a 16, yeah. 16 year old, it gets to you. Mm -hmm. And 
I started to resort to really, really self-destructive measures of coping with like my isolation. And Mm -hmm. I thought that I wasn't worthy of, you know, living anymore. I'm so weird. I'm so lame. Like, what's the Mm -hmm. point? And all all that was kind of going through my head. Um, And that was around the time that I discovered Cake Boss on TLC. Mm -hmm. And I infatuated with this art of like with this edible art uh food network shows and so forth um so i you know started watching a lot of baking and cake decorating videos on youtube i was obsessed with it i would be up till like 4 a.m every single day watching how to make like a fondant gum paste sugar Mm -hmm. roll right Mm -hmm. um every single day after school i would come home around three o'clock i would make maybe be some jaw and then we, I would make some banana bread or cookies or something. And it kind of just slowly started like that. I started getting yeah. a little bit more comfortable in the kitchen. And, you know, I've always been a kid that, like, loved to work with my hands. My yeah. mom has been really good with that with me and my sisters is she would always bring home something, like a craft set, a sewing kit, stickers, painting, whatever it may be, right? Just, mm-hmm. to, just so we're not watching TV all the time and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but one day she actually brought home a cake decorating set and then me and my sister, we made a cake. My sister hated it and I loved it. And that's kind of where it kind of really, really, I latched onto this kind of hobby. Um, so I started making all of my projects in cake form, you know, the chemistry, the periodic table of elements, the cell membranes and biology class. I made this amusement park in Spanish class. Like it was, it was just project after project. And I just like felt so like infatuated, obsessed with this like world of cake. Um, I wanted to just learn as much as I could. Mm -hmm. And over like kind of, that was in my grade 11 and 12 year that this really started like happening for me. And by the end of, you know, high school, like I felt really confident in, you know, who I, not even, not necessarily who I was. I feel like you still go through that in your early 20s and stuff. Mm -hmm. But just like confident in my skills enough that, you know, I was like, I'm going to be okay. Like I'm, I'm good. Like I found my, you know, therapy. Uh, so to speak. So the following year I moved out, I moved to Vancouver at UBC and I lived in the dorms and in the dorms, there's no kitchen. So I didn't, I wasn't able to bake every single day, like how I was, you know, doing it at home. And that's kind of when I really realized how much this meant to me. Like it was more than just baking. Mm-hmm. It was more, more than that. It was, it was legit. The reason like that, like it saved me. Right. Yeah. And it was my therapy. I needed this to like survive. Um, in that year, I also lost my grandma on my last day of exams. So mm. that's kind of like that whole first year of university was like that culmination point of like, I needed to really turn things around for myself because I didn't want to keep crawling back into like this dark hole mm-hmm. of pity and, you know, worthlessness. Um, so in the following year, I actually rented out an apartment with a friend off campus, about 10 minutes off campus. And in there was like the tiniest kitchen I had ever seen. But it was my kitchen. Like it was, there was a yellow, ugly retro oven that could fit two cans at once and no counter space at all. But still, it was my kitchen. And first day that we moved in, like the first thing I did was unpack my cake stuff, bake a lemon raspberry cake. It was a baby shower cake. It was yellow with pink and blue stripes. I still remember it. And um, and I was like, holy crap, I can do this here. Like I was so, so jazzed. Yeah. Um, And so my second, third, fourth year of UBC, was spent, you know, doing cakes on the weekends while doing full-time school. And again, just building on my confidence and knowing that, you know, I could actually take this somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and then through the university kind of experience, I got involved with like, you know, student clubs and fundraisers and yada, 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 and trying to get my name out there. And that's kind of when like 
I feel like very organically, this businesswoman inside of me kind of started to come out. Yeah. I would be like in the library at 2 a.m. handing out business cards during <laughs> exam season. Like it was so funny. Um, yeah. But, you know, it just it just uh, slowly just started to kind of happen. Um, and yeah, it was it was just exciting that like, you know, I could make something out of this hobby, something that was fun and um, and, you know, make a little bit of extra money on the side and actually really feel like what it kind of felt like to have a business. I don't know. It felt cool. It, like if it, it felt like, holy crap, I, I can actually do something with this. So, um, my confidence just grew and, um, yeah. And then my last year of university, actually my very last course, very last exam, very last everything. My course was, um, career counseling and the entire term project was that you have to counsel yourself through your own career problem at that moment. Mm -hmm. And my career problem was, do I pick cakes or do I pick my degree? Hmm. And, and then my, and my term paper, it ended up like inconclusive. And I thought it was going to fail because they didn't figure out the problem. And, but that's not how psychology works. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, so my, my prof was basically like, why do you feel the need that you need to pick one thing that you're good at? And that was like the first time someone so straight up told me that because our entire lives were like, okay, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you can only pick one thing, right? So we're, we're like predisposed to this idea of like, okay, you pick one thing and you only do that one thing. But right. this prof was like, no, you, you be open. Like just be open to the opportunity. And right. since that day, I, I like actually made an active effort to, you know, be open to all the opportunities and possibilities out there. So immediately after I graduated, I got a job working with kids with autism yeah. um, as a behavior interventionist. And um, that went really, really well for about uh, almost three years. And all the while, I was also doing cakes full time. Mm -hmm. And so I was basically having like two full time jobs, but I was like the happiest I've ever been because it was amazing. Right. Um, and then um, I inquired, I had oh, from like from 2014 or so. Um, sorry about my phone there, guys. Um, but 2014, um, my kind of dream was to like live in Paris and learn pastry from the most top chefs. Like, yeah, I put that on Twitter like way before I even, you know, even had like thought that this was possible for me. Hmm. Um, and then school ended and everything like that. I'm like, okay, I'm I'm gonna see like, what's it gonna take. And it was just mm -hmm. kind of for fun at the in the beginning. And so I inquired with the school and they got back to me and they said, oh, well, we'll fold for 2016, but 2017, you know, you can, uh, we can uh, put you on the, on the list for 2017. And in my head, I'm like, that's great. Like, you know, it gives me time to save up and plan this out properly and yada, yada. And yeah. I was happy with that, right? Okay. I'll wait two more years. Um, and then two weeks go by and they call me in the middle of the night and they were like, Hey, Ravina, we have a spot for you in the 20, in the next session in um, uh, mid 2016. Um, but we need your payment tomorrow. So keep in mind, I'm like 21 years old at this time. I barely have any savings or whatever. I go to the bank the next day. I empty everything out. I think I'm left with like a hundred bucks in my bank account and I empty everything out. I send it off to school. Didn't tell my parents, didn't tell anyone. Yeah. And I like, no, I'm doing this. Right. And this was so like outside of my comfort zone. And, um, yeah, so I got my name on the list and I, that was in November of 20. Uh, 2015 and I was supposed to leave April 2016 right. and those months I have never worked so hard in my life for something 
Like it was, it was insane. Like I, it's, I've never wanted anything more. And um, yeah, it's just like that, that was the true grind, the true grit of, all, grit of it all. Right. Uh, so April went, came and uh, I literally was making a cake up until two hours before boarding a plane. It was crazy. And <laughs> so, uh, landed in France, um, you know, had the most incredible time there. It reignited my inspiration, my passion, my everything. Right. Mm-hmm. The reason why I wanted to be there was only validated even more so um, with me going there. So I came back in August and the day I came back, I literally made a promise to myself alone in my room that I was going to open up my bakery in a year. And yeah. July 2017, 11 months later, we did it and we opened. Um, and now it's been three years. That's um, a few, awesome. Yeah, July 17th <laughs> was... Um, three years so it's been crazy it's been amazing and uh, so many ups and downs and yeah. so many days where I feel like I'm winning but so many days where I feel like I'm winning and it's all a part of it right so it's it's yeah. all a part of it crazy. yeah yeah no that is so amazing and it's been three years already and I recently saw that you guys were celebrating uh, the three-year anniversary what really um, stuck with me was when you had mentioned on your Instagram um, how one of your first customers said you wouldn't even last three months and here you are three years later, um, just thriving and, yeah. you know, so successful. So that's awesome. Crazy. <laughs> I, it, it's so funny. The first week that we were open, like I can, there were more negative, there was more negativity than positivity mm-hmm. and it just really threw me off. And I was like, Oh, I thought like people would be happy having a bakery, you know, in the city and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that wasn't the case right so yeah it was just really interesting but um you know y- you get to, you get to decide how that makes you feel right, right how right. all this negativity makes you feel you can take it and sit with it and you know be like oh well screw these people and yada yada, yada like and, and just ruminate in that negativity or you can take it twist it and right. you know use it as fuel in, in a sense right totally. um, yeah so, so yeah it's totally up to yeah. you yeah, just, uh, you know, it's listening to the naysayers is not going to do you any good. <laughs> it's really not. It's <laughs> um, I have to take it with a grain of salt. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to still prove the ones that support me right. And, and right. I used to say prove people wrong, but I think that's a negative mentality to have. Right. It puts out the wrong energy. It's like revenge mentality, right? But right. Necessarily just focus on who is supporting you and prove them right. Prove them that you are worth supporting or your dream, not necessarily worth supporting, but like your dream is worth this all, right? Worth, right. Their, support, worth their love, worth their energy. Right. Uh, so yeah, I, th- I feel like that's what kind of keeps me going. Sure. And that's, that's very true. You know, focus on the positive. I'm a firm believer in focusing yeah, on the positive, absolutely. doing your own thing, do what makes you happy. Um, and, and follow your own passion. Like um, I, you know, heard somewhere, like, it's kind of like, you know, you know, when you're in a test, um, and you're you're giving your exam, you're just you're focusing on your own exam, right? Uh, (laughs) And nobody else, you're not looking here and there unless you're cheating, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. You got to focus on your end goal, not someone else's end goal, right? Right, right. Uh, So yeah, for sure. So you know, that's, uh, that's just amazing how you sort of came or overcame your 
you were you talked about going in that dark hole yeah. so like mental health is just one of those things that you know is um sort of even a taboo in our in our yeah. culture um but it is a real thing the fact that like you know how you mentioned your it was your therapy your creativity was your therapy and 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 you found that you 100% you know, you followed it, you followed your passion. And that's just, that's what life is about, right? Um, I think that there's not very many people out there that enjoy even on a daily basis what they do. It's just one of those battles. It's like people choose like a paycheck over, you know, something that they want to follow, right? But Um, I think people fail to realize is you can definitely get that paycheck with following what you want to follow, right? Right. One podcast I listened to, um, Andy Frisella, he's like, it's not feasible to think that everyone is going to love what they do, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes you do need to have a job uh, that you may not love, but yeah. you may tolerate, but mm-hmm. find that passion outside of your work then. But your passion is still necessary to be fulfilled. Whether it totally it's is, yeah. getting yeah. you money or not getting you money, that's besides the point. But mm-hmm. it's just about listening to yourself and what actually fulfills you. Totally, totally. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what does it mean for you to be a woman of color in the business world? And I know you talk about, you know, uh, you've also talked about your identity as a South Asian woman and um, being in this competitive world of business. So what are some of the the roadblocks and challenges that you face that has or that have impeded your growth? Um, I don't want to say impeded, but definitely some obstacles, especially when building this bakery, you know, a lot of people thinking that this wasn't my business, it was my dad's business or my family business that I was taking over whatever else. So I think that kind of um, proving that, you know, I am capable, that was a big thing. Um, mm-hmm. um, also, just like getting my voice heard, right? Like in a room full of, you know, 10 contractors, and then there's this what 22 year old brown girl that's trying to tell people what to do it's a pretty you know hard thing to do especially when the contractors that you're talking to their mentality is you know based from one that isn't necessarily very inclusive to women mm-hmm. um, so that I feel like was a was a major challenge also just like not being taken seriously like numbers wise at the mm-hmm. bank asking for a loan things like that why mm-hmm. is it that a man can ask for a million dollar loan and be able to receive it on the spot. But a woman does not have the same luxury, even though her numbers may be better than mm-hmm. a man, right? So yeah. it, it's just interesting to see that. Um, I know when I went and approached banks for like my first business loan, I, people were like shocked at my business plan and that like, oh, how could she have made this? Like it's, it's to this or it's to that. Like, no, no, no. She must've gotten help from someone. She must've gotten help from someone. It's mm-hmm. like, but no, I'm capable, right? And I'm here to, I'm here to show that I am capable. Um, so I think just like the underminingness of our culture and our community mm-hmm. uh, really shines through, um, right. especially with, you know, the, the, first, uh, the first week with people saying, I'll fail, I'll fail, I'll fail. Again, it just alludes to that, like just uh, they, undermine, they undermine you, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and also just kind of that conversation about like a woman is only good for marriage and stuff like that. And I know when I was starting off, people in the community would tell my dad, like, oh my God, why would you let your daughter leave her degree to become a baker? She's not going to get married now. No one's going to want to want that in their family. Yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, my dad laughs at them. He's like, well, right. you know, like dreams are worth it as well. Right. Um, so yeah. 
And there's, um, you know, intersectionality plays a big role in that too. So first you're, you know, you're a woman, then you're a woman of color, right? And um, it's, yeah, it's, it's totally, it's true. Like, you know, it's, it's hard to get your voice heard. And then there's a lot of cultural issues. I mean, for me, it's also um, that I'm a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, that also plays, <laughs> plays mm-hmm. a role in a lot of, you know, I know I've missed out on or on opportunities before because I'm a woman of color, I'm a mom. But I think this also gives us a very unique opportunity in the generation that we do live in, in the era that we do live in, to stand up as as women of color and, you know, again, be that voice for women that are to come after us, right? Right. Um, I, th- I, I take that um, responsibility very, very heavily. Like I, I, I recognize that, you know, people may see me as a role model and I'm okay with that. And I'm ready, mm-hmm. ready for that because I want my story just to be one small example of what is possible, of totally. what's possible when you, when you believe in yourself. Right. Right. Uh, I, and I'm not afraid to say that. I, I, a lot of people have asked me like, doesn't that scare you? Isn't that a lot of pressure. I was like, I'm, I'm leading my life with great intention and great, you know, aspirations and stuff. And if someone Mm -hmm. is able to be inspired by a mere sliver of that, of -hmm. just like what that means, that is, you know, that's incredible. And my duty is done in my opinion. I, I absolutely love it when, you know, younger women or younger, you know, girls come up to me and say, Oh, it's so amazing the what you've done, and I want to do this. And it's like, go do it, right? Like that's mm-hmm. that's incredible. Yeah, and you are an inspiration for many, many women. Um, you know, women of color out there um, who are aspiring to be just like you, right? So that's that's awesome. Like starting something from scratch is really, really not that easy. And um, you know, there's a lot of myths about uh, what businesses are like. Um, especially when you own a business, it seems really easy. It looks simple. Glorified. It's a glorified (laughs) life. People think, oh, I want to be my own boss, but it's 24 Mm -hmm. (laughs) seven. So walk us through a day in your life and break some of those myths, especially, you know, the, um, the emotional burden that we put on ourselves. I mean, my husband and I also own and operate a restaurant business. Um, and I mean, you know, we did take over a franchise restaurant, so we did have some sort of a help. Um, but it's, you know, I can't even imagine starting something from scratch and building that baby up. It's crazy. Um, so my day, basically, I don't get a day off. I, I, te- I tend to claim that I have Mondays off, but I'm still doing emails. I'm still doing, you know, <laughs> stuff. But yeah. basically, my day starts at about 6am. Um, and it used to start earlier. My team gets in at work at 6am. Mm-hmm. I get the luxury of waking up at 6am. So I wake up around 6am. I take out my dog. Um, I, you know, sometimes get a workout in in the morning, just like a short one. Um, and then, you know, I shower up, get ready, make my breakfast, head on the road. I drive from Abbotsford to Surrey every single day. So wow. 45 minutes to Surrey. Um, the beginning portion of the day is done with making sure the day's orders are right, finishing up orders, getting any errands done, buying any supplies, calling our vendors, things like that, responding to emails in between there. Then 12 o'clock rolls around. Should be my lunchtime. I usually miss my lunchtime. Um <laughs> And then just, you know, um, you know, being great with customers and handling customers and everything like that, completing the next day's orders, make sure everything that uh, on that realm is good, great, um, mm-hmm. make sure all of our deliveries come in on time, 
um, and just like if never ending doing deliveries for our wholesale partners, making sure they're happy, making sure our po- profits and costs are where they should be doing the mm-hmm. schedules, cleaning. Oh man, it's yeah, never yeah, ending. Yeah. Um, and then my day usually ends here around uh, 7 p.m. I drive back to Abbotsford. So I'm usually back at eight, eight o'clock. I mm-hmm. get in my workout, like my proper workout. And then um, have dinner, and then I go to sleep and do it all over again. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's uh, every day, Tuesday through Sunday. Is uh, there balance, work-life balance, or is honestly, it work, work, yeah. work? <laughs> right now, right now is actually the most balanced I've been. I used to mm-hmm. work until 10 p.m., 11 p.m., and then mm-hmm. drive home, right? Right. And then do everything. Um, but now I get to at least leave by like seven, and mm-hmm. I still have my evenings and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, so I'm really happy with how it's heading. Of course, there's still work to do in terms mm-hmm. of getting the, the balance that I want, but it's much better than it was two years ago, for sure. Um, and you know, you'll, you'll have seasons and months where you lose a lot of money and you still have to keep going. And you have yep. seasons and months where you make a lot of money, but you still need to take in consideration everything, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's a lot that people don't see um, in terms of like the mental, the mental and physical like toil that it does take. Mm-hmm. And the sacrifice that it, it that it takes with your family like I was supposed to get married in July and I'm actually very very grateful that didn't happen um only yeah. because only because it bought me more time with my parents and mm-hmm. I didn't realize how much that meant to me mm-hmm. um until COVID hit like I was yeah. like oh my god like you know I would have been moving out of my parents house and you know getting married and starting my own life but without even having for the last three years not even mm-hmm. having you know, a Sunday with my parents. Right. And that, like, made me really, really sad. And now, yeah. like, it kind of hit really, ho- it hit home for me. And I was like, that can't happen anymore. And so yeah. we made some changes. We made some, you know, changes to our offering and so many other structural changes um, and to allow us to all have a life. And also my team was thankful because, you know, if your leader isn't, is tired all the time, is, is not there all the time, like isn't mm-hmm. mentally there all the time, it filters through, right? It sprinkles yeah. down to your team. Yeah. And if they're burnt out and tired, then how can you, you know, give a quality product and quality service? So right. I noticed that once I shift things for myself and stop put, putting so much on my plate, mm-hmm. even though we're so busy, we're working like smarter, not harder, you know? Right. So once that happened, like my team is happy right like every I talk to them you know every single day one-on-one I'm like how you are you stressed are you burnt out are you tired like what can we do to help and everyone's kind of been on the same page and working efficiently and happy and joking and laughing and it just it's a great place to come come to now right so yeah um, just grateful just grateful for you know everything happens for a reason and this time is so so precious and I I think that really hit home for me and so now that life work-life balance is actually you know, coming true for me. So right. awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, some things that you mentioned, like having a positive team environment is so mm-hmm. important in, um, in a business. I would argue that it's the most important. <laughs> yeah. It's like your, your team is your everything. They yeah. are the, um, the meat of your, yeah. I, I, I don't eat meat, but so I shouldn't say that, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they are the core of yeah. your uh, yeah. business. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And um, I've, I've done a lot of work in, in just consulting and just um, with business coaches and stuff to ensure that my team is fulfilled every single day and mm-hmm. they're compensated ethically and everything, 
you know, th this place is meant to improve their lives um, mm -hmm. more so than anything else. I think that's been a huge, huge thing for me. I never, ever want someone to come through my doors and feel like they don't want to be there. Mm -hmm. uh, and if I ever get that vibe, then I have that discussion with them. Like, if you don't want to be here, that that's okay. I understand that. And yeah. just be honest and open about that, right? When your team is not happy, mm -hmm. it actually reflects in your business, your service that you provide, the product that you provide mm -hmm. to your customers, and it eventually comes back to people's homes, right? Um, and I think negative feedback um, is more viral than a positive one. Yep, that's very true. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a definitely has been a learning curve, but I feel like we're finally getting to that place where we're able to really, really enhance our company culture to the point where, you know, this is family at the end of the day. And we are here to, you know, make this sure a great successful business, but also an amazing place to work first and foremost. Right. So, yeah. And that's the, the, the best way to, to look at it. And you also mentioned like, you know, sometimes you lose, you gain. Oh, so it's like a, you know, constant emotional roller coaster ride, right? Um, so you really have to be a really a tough cookie, not to just, not to survive, oh, yeah. but also to thrive in this okay. sort of highly competitive world. Definitely, definitely. And especially when, you know, th there's going to be competition and that's the nature of business, right? I feel like that's been, uh, a huge discussion point with a lot of fellow business owners. Um, uh, I do talk to quite a few business owners locally and uh, a very hot topic is, oh, this person opened up a business that's very similar to mine. It's like, so deal with it. It's business. There's going to be competition and it's about how you deal with it and what you take from this competition that can right. actually elevate you to the next level, right? Yeah. Um, like we have a very, you know, popular product, our cake jars, and there's about, you know, seven, eight other bakeries that now started to do cake jars. Mm -hmm. I could have easily said, this is my idea. I get it. But mm -hmm. then I had to reel myself back. No, it's not my idea. Two, I'm still going to be able to make my own spin on it. So I'm going to run with that. And I'm sure they'll, the, my competitors are able to put their own spin on it. And that's amazing for them. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. about looking at, okay, how can you level yourself up, not bring other people down because mm -hmm. the more energy you spend on your competitors and worrying about what they're doing, they're already mm -hmm. doing the next thing, right? Mm -hmm. focus on your next thing, right? And, you know, blow that up. Yeah. So, but always know what your competitor is doing, right? So you're, yeah, uh, you're aware. aware. Be yeah. aware, but don't be obsessed. Right. Be right. Obsessed with them. You, you have no business being obsessed with their business. And I, I have to say, like, your products are so unique and so gorgeous. Um, I don't even know, first of all, how you do it. Like, it's like one of those things I have to ask you, like, you know, just off the chart. Yeah. Um, like, do you enjoy the cleaning part? Because I hate that part. <laughs> uh, I mean, I get into modes where I do like to clean a lot. Cleaning is not my favorite thing. But I do have team members that cleaning is their favorite thing. <laughs> So we kind of teeter-totter and balance each other. <laughs> Even your Instagram page is just super gorgeous. So good for you on that. I want to talk a little bit about your platform, Rav Thinks. And you talk, um, you know, something that sticks to my mind is resilience. You yeah. talk so much about that. I think you even have a tattoo. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, yeah, tell us about, about that. Okay. 
So I think mental toughness is one thing that will get you through life, no matter what career, what, what position you are in life, resilience and relentlessness. Mm-hmm. Relentless is the tattoo I have. And that's based on um, Kobe Bryant, his trainer, actually Tim Grover uh, has a book called Relentless and it's my Bible. And mm-hmm. I call it my Bible because I've, I've probably read it what seven or eight times now. And mm-hmm. every single time, like it just puts me back into that, like, I got this and I'm going to do this for me and my dreams are worth it. Which um, book is it? Sorry. It's called Relentless by Tim Grover. Okay. Yeah. So he's actually like a, a pro athlete trainer. Um, but that book is, it's more about like athleticism and stuff like that. He even said, mm-hmm. that he's like, I don't care if you're an athlete or a business owner or a mom, you can mm-hmm. take something from this book. Right. Mm-hmm. And I totally agree with him. And so it's just about having that resilient attitude that you are in competition with yourself at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You will have competition. You will have roadblocks and op- obstacles and yada, 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 but your mental toughness is going to set you apart. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a concept of doing it anyway and doing it anyway to me, it means like, even when you don't want to do it, even when you don't want to do that last email, even when you don't want to put in that extra effort for that client that has pissed you off for five days with the same emails, you're going to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's, it's, it's about um, willpower. It's about resilience. It's about relentlessness. It's about believing in yourself at the end of the day that you are capable of being Mm -hmm. exceptional and, and worthy of greatness. Um, whatever that means to you, right? But uh, mm-hmm. it's about just being the most exceptional self in my eyes. That's awesome. I have to uh, get a hold of that book, Relentless, and, um, it, it and has, read it myself. It has some uh, swearing and stuff in it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just ignore that. The, the whole message of the book is amazing and it just fires you up for sure. Yeah. There's nothing uh, better than someone recommending a book, right? Because there's just so a million books to read out there. Oh, so. Totally. <laughs> How do you measure your success? Uh, for me, it, I, this can sound so cliche, but <laughs> it really is like fulfillment. Like I feel like I don't hold anything back. So I feel like I am already successful in that. Mm-hmm. That of course there, there's one, I kind of view success in a couple of different ways. Like financial success is one thing. My family success is another thing. And like my overall success, I would say honestly, is just like happiness and fulfillment. It's like, I don't feel like I'm being, I'm not, I'm being authentically myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something to be extremely proud of, especially in the world that we are living in, where, right. you know, there's a lot of fake around. There's a lot of, you know, um, ungenuine, disingenuous people around or not even people. Like, it's just like all these costumes and shades and like whatever, and all these layers and no one really shows their real self. And, no, so mm-hmm. everyone is so scared of being vulnerable. And I think that I am in a place in my life that I can say that I'm successful in the person that I am because I'm able to be vulnerable. I'm able to shed my layers and show people who I am without really, you know, worrying about what people think about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, there's always work to do in that. Of course, there's, there's things to be said about like, you know, being scared of what people are going to think. And Mm-hmm. And dealing with that pressure and stuff like that. But I, I ultimately feel that like I am me and what people get is me. And mm-hmm. I'm so proud of that fact because in my high school, in my early university years, I wasn't me. Like I, mm-hmm. I was trying to be someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was trying to look a certain way. I was trying to act a certain way and things like that. And I'm finally at a place where I'm just so like comfortable with who I am as a person mm-hmm. that 
I have, I, I don't hold anything back for yeah. who I am and I, I don't apologize for who I am. Um, so I think for me, that is what is success. Yeah, that is powerful. I love what you said. You know, I think us brown girls um, commonly share that in our childhood or, you know, adolescence, um, that we've all gone through those identity issues, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Where, I mean, I can remember back to when I was younger, even up to like, I think even a few years back, like I didn't know myself. Like, I think I had... um, identity struggles, even after I became a mom. Mm-hmm. And, um, and before that, when I was a teenager, um, when I first came from India, yeah. and, um, you know, I was trying to be someone else. And I always compared myself to others. And I talk about that openly as well. But the more I talk about it, the more I, you know, put my vulnerability out there, the more I learn about myself. Right? right? right. And, and and that's just it. I think that uh, the the success is within ourselves in our own minds. Yeah. Right. Um, it's what we think of it. For sure. Exactly. And and again, you get to decide how you feel in every single moment. For everything that happens to you, you get to decide how right. you want to feel about that. Right. It could be the most devastating thing. It could, you can lose the most important person to you. They right. They can pass. They can you know, leave your life, whatever have you. One person is going to take that and sit with it for the rest of their life and stop living. But the other person may may very well use that as, you know, their guiding light, their guiding force, or turn their life around or use it as fuel. You get to decide how you feel. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so much power there that you're not, you know, like tied down to a certain emotion or you're not tied down to a certain experience or a situation you get the the freedom to choose how to feel. Right. You know, that's so true. Well, thank you so much, Ravina, for being here today and sharing your wonderful perspective about entrepreneurship and what it means to be a woman of color in this world of business. I think that these conversations are important to have. And and I'm sure that this conversation will motivate so many women out there who are aspiring entrepreneurs. And my DMs are always open on Rav Thinks on Just Cakes. You can shoot me a message if you want to chit chat. I'm always open to conversation. Thank you so much for being here again. And we wish you luck in your journey and uh, hope to stay Uh, in touch. Yes. And I cannot wait to see your podcast on the number one chart. And I am here to support you. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. I I hope. I hope. One day. (laughs) You got to manifest, girl. You know this. (laughs) You you know, totally, totally. And you also talk about law of attraction, right? Yeah, right, right. Um, So we got to put it out there. That's another episode. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Thank you so much for listening to Mama's High on Chai. Please don't forget to subscribe to this channel, refer it to a friend, and review it on Apple Podcast in order to keep this show going. I always love to hear from you, so connect with me on Instagram at Mama's High on Chai. Again, I always appreciate your support. And sending you so much love, peace, and healing energy. (laughs) See you next time.